Sony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. It's the Bola Boys coming to you on Valentine's Day. All three of us are suffering different ailments. I've done my back. Guys, that's pulled his hamstring. This has got COVID, but we're here. We're here for all 13 of you. <laughs> Apparently, he's got COVID. Uh, so, we come to you on the other side of the January transfer window. And before we get stuck in, actually, I haven't introduced ourselves. So, it's Rahul hosting today. And then, obviously, I'm joined by Kaiser and Vis. You guys doing okay? Apart from the injuries? Yeah, doing all right. Yeah, not bad, actually. I don't even know if I have COVID, man. I've just self-diagnosed <laughs> myself. <laughs> you just know, like, it's inside you. I just know, like, yeah, it's inside me. I'm trying to avoid some responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're just trying to avoid Valentine's Day plans. That's why, like, you got COVID, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into uh, the teams and a normal, usual format, we thought, since we're coming to you on the other side of the January transfer window, we'd have a gander at... Picking one, one signing, whether in, whether out, whether we think they're going to do well, whether it was interesting, whether it was a bit baffling. Uh, Visa Kaiser, I'll leave it to you guys. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. I think Coutinho was definitely the standout one. I think, yeah, based on the new manager appointment, Gerard, if not, they would never have gotten anywhere close to getting Coutinho. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because he's just not been effective or not been used much by uh, Barcelona and Barcelona as a team uh, are dropping as well in the La Liga so it'll be interesting to see how he does when he comes back and has a full season in the Premier League yeah I think it's always interesting when a manager who's actually played with a player uh, you know signs them for their team it'll be interesting to see I mean so far he's done pretty well right um, yeah. And I think for ev- all parties involved, it's uh, it's probably a good move. Coutinho has a chance to sort of revive his career. As you said, he did not do well at Barca, didn't really have a look in at Bayern either after moving for that big price tag. So it'll be interesting. And then I think it's quite a good signing from the other point of view because Villa have got quite a few exciting youngsters. So you got um, obviously Jacob Ramsey and then you got the... Yeah. I can never see their last name, but the the Chuka brothers, you know, I can't remember their last name, but both <laughs> those two are really exciting midfielders as well. So to be able to learn from someone, and that's not be fine. I mean, Coutinho did make it at Barcelona by a minute, but he's still a top midfielder. So, yeah, I think that's quite quite an interesting one. Um, Vis, who, who who do you think, um, w- which moves were interesting? So for me, overall, I think this, this transfer window is very boring. La. Let's be real, nothing exciting happened. Uh, but one that I, as a United fan, I'm pretty much uh, uh, excited to see was Donny van der Beek. So he got his first start at uh, Everton and he got a man of the match as well. So I think I think it, it uh, plays out well for him because, you know, he was always under the the brand of, oh no, he doesn't have the aggressiveness to play in the Premier League or, you know, and things like that. And he sort of proved everyone wrong. And yeah, it's quite interesting to see him in that Everton team with Lampard's tactics, you know, full on attacking football. Very exciting to see. 
Yeah, I think he he'll definitely thrive under that. I mean, he played well, right? I think the first game, like, what did you say, was man of the match or one of the match? Yeah, game. yeah, he played well. He played well. Um, so it'll be interesting again. I think he's another one that just not has had a look in by Ole or Ralph. Um, so to be able to play in an Everton team where I guess there's not much to lose at the minute will be interesting. Um, for me, I think I mean I don't know how well he's gonna do or. If I'm being honest, I don't think I've seen much the much of him except during the Euros. But uh, Weghorst, who signed for Burnley, yeah. I think it was just interesting because um, obviously Newcastle were looking for a play in that mold, and that's why they went for Chris Wood and signed him for 25 to 30 million. And then Burnley just do the opposite and sign someone, possibly you know I mean he's a, he's a Dutch international. For yeah, much yeah. less money and f- you know straight away fit in, he's looked pretty good so far. <laughs> he's not scored yet, uh, but neither is Chris Wood. So I think that was quite interesting. I think a lot of Newcastle fans were kicking themselves when they saw that Burnley had replaced him with uh, with this guy. So I think that's definitely one to keep an eye on, and it'll be interesting to see who scores more for their respective clubs. Whether Chris Wood gets off the mark for Newcastle or Weghorst does for Burnley. But speaking, sure what, well, go again. Not again. sure what, no, not sure what pitch uh, Sean Dyche is doing, but like he's gotten Cornet, who was pretty high profile, uh, like attacking right. Thailand. Now Veghorst, who had an amazing Euros as well. Like <laughs> I don't know what he's. Uh, Burnley he's man, them, why wouldn't you want to play for Burnley? Sean Dyche, one of the <laughs> long-standing Premier League managers. Um, best what do you think of Diaz? Huh? So far, I mean, I know he didn't play the last game. Yeah, that's why when I was thinking, you're saying he's not like exciting. January transfer window. Us at Liv- for Liverpool fans, this for is Liverpool one of the most right? exciting yeah. windows okay, we've had in okay. a long fair time. Fair, fair, fair. In a long time. Yes. He looks good so far. I mean, he's only played the one game, but I don't know. Like, so it's very hard to make comments based on such a short period of time. But he looked really good. He looked really I think he's good. very yeah, good for really exciting, the competition for the front three, la, I would say. You know, like people like Mane. I mean, Salah, you know, he has his shit together all the time. But people like Mane now, they <laughs> just, you know, can't afford to to go through a bad patch of form if not you know Diaz is on on his tail so yeah yeah literally on his side as well so yeah exactly yeah. so that's Very that's good. interesting la, to see For sure, it'd be interesting. So it's interesting yesterday Klopp didn't start him against Burnley because he said that you know this is a very typical Premier League match <laughs> he's not prepared for it yet so he didn't yeah. get any <laughs> minutes yesterday. All his bones will break. <laughs> I think that was for the best to be honest watching a game after that. But speaking of Burnley um you know Previous result before they play Liverpool, they play Man United. So this, let's talk about Man United. Let's talk about the previous two games and let's talk about how uh, how Ralph's boys are doing. Yeah, so these two games I thought were going to be easy wins first. Not easy wins. I mean like uh, games that you would expect United to win after, especially beating West Ham to get into fourth. But it looks like one step forward, two steps back. Uh, United currently sitting uh, at fifth with forty points after twenty four games played, and then Arsenal are right behind us in sixth. Uh, with two games over United and same with Spurs who are in eighth, and they also have two games in hand over United. So, I mean, it's a lot of things are going wrong. You can't just point the finger at one particular thing. And both games, uh, for those of you who don't know, United went into the lead and then drew the game one-one against Burnley against Southampton as well. And um, very similar games. And so I'm just going to talk about it uh, in a in a broad sense. So yep. Hassan Hotel came out. Um, Post match, he said it's not a big secret that when they United lose the ball, the reverse gears are not the best from everyone. So what he's trying to say is, when we lose the ball, we don't run back enough, lah. Yeah. And um, yeah. 
it's <coughs> improved. Like it, for a uh, uh, opposition manager to come out and say something like that, I think it's pretty. It's it's nothing rude of him. I think because you know he's the manager of Southampton, somebody, uh, some a team which is known for their pressing and mm. work rate, and you know. And um, yeah, there's still a lot of things that United need to fix. I mean, when you look at their work rate, I would say it's definitely improved, but it's still not at the level of where it it should be, lah. In my opinion, but I think that's the problem when you essentially change a playing style mm. midway through the season, which is so dependent on player fitness. And like uh, people, I'm sure loads of people listen to this and be like, "Oh, these are top athletes. What do you mean fitness? Obviously, they're fit." But I don't think it is. You know, I don't think it is. I think most there's levels still. Yeah, there's yeah, levels to course. it. And I think I mean it's it's degrees of sports science where I I, I obviously don't. You know, I I don't have a clue, but yeah. there's definitely something to it because you know players, players, managers like Klopp, managers like Pep, even Hassan Hulter, all these play, all these managers who have this high, high intensity sort of high press systems, they yeah. bang on about the importance of preseason, and Rolf hasn't had that. Yeah. And do you think that puts pressure? I mean, Hassan Hutel mentioned it that the players don't track back enough, and I think we see that Maguire is being used. A lot as a scapegoat, um, but I mean the fact that players don't track back does that put a lot of pressure on the defense and keeper? Do you see? Or um, the yeah, like it's easy to quickly blame Maguire, although he has been awful. Let's be real. I mean, there are some goals that we've conceded which have been directly individual errors from Maguire as well. But you know, that's just not it. As a team, we're not defending enough. I thought that goal that we conceded against um, Southampton. I think Rashford. W- what was Rashford doing? He was just jogging back. If it was Martial there, we'll be shouting and saying, you know, you bloody lazy guy, you know, and things like that. But Rashford was doing the same thing. So, as a team, they're not defending from the front enough. I thought Ilanga was doing that pretty well, but for some reason, he's been dropped off, and it's now Sancho and and Rashford. But yeah, as a team, they're not defending well enough. So let's talk about. So you know, I think Maguire obviously gets the the stick uh, for many reasons. Whether he's English, whether he's got a massive price tag, <laughs> but he definitely attracts that that uh, you know that attention. But I think a uh, a player that you sign in the summer that we thought would bring a lot more stability, maybe a lot more of experience of being a defender in a side that plays a high line with that has to play differently than maybe Maguire has when he was playing at Leicester, when he was playing at House or so Rafael Varane. You know, yeah. has he made a difference, or has he been largely disappointing so far as well? So the thing is, individually, I think he's been w- class, like really good, like no mistakes whatsoever. You can, he's so good that you can see how, how bad Maguire is, you know, in that sense. And I feel more than anything, Maguire is a type of player that would be good if the team were in control of the ball. Like if we were on the front foot, not when we are, you know, backtracking under pressure. Mm. You know, that's when you can see Maguire's <coughs> flaws. But I mean, like you said, right? Whether Varane has sort of, you know, added to that security at the back, I can't say for sure because I think he's personally, like individually, he's playing well. But overall, his influence. I mean, maybe if Varane wasn't playing, we'd see way more goals conceded, lah. Let's just put it yeah, that way. Yeah, that's yeah. But I yeah, but you see, that's the thing. Like even with Madrid, right? He's he was never the the first dominant. in command. He was always Ramos. Yes. Yeah, he was never yes. the dominant one. So I think that's the same case here. For France, no, he was the dominant one with Umtiti. But I think since it's his first season, or 
you know, I, I understand your question, but I really don't know how to give an answer to that. There's yeah, no, it's like, hard to say. I yeah. think it's very hard to say. So let, let's talk about the other side of the pitch because I think United are creating. They're definitely creating. The numbers mm. say that that is happening. But why? Yeah. Why? Wh- wh- what? So what's the problem then? Why? Why are these chances not being converted, or are they just sort of poor chances that are happening frequently? What is the issue there? Uh, there are definitely good chances. I would say, like for example, against uh, Southampton, the expected goals was two point five seven to Southampton zero point five seven. And you look at the Middlesbrough game, you look at the Burnley game. The chances were good chances, but our forwards are just not putting them away. Last season, um, we uh, made fun of Ronaldo, and you uh, know people made fun of Ronaldo, but the excuse was, yeah, he wasn't getting much supply of the ball. But let's be real here: majority of the games this year, Ronaldo has been getting a lot of chances, but he's just not been scoring. So he's not been playing well either. Mm. Like against the Southampton game, he was an open goal. Did you all see the highlights? He had an open yeah. goal and he sort he of just He didn't hit it hard it. enough, right? He didn't hit it, it hard yeah, enough. It, yeah. So it's just small things like that, I would say, which adds to everything. And the confidence of the, the, the forwards are very low. That's another thing as well. And yeah, they've just not been putting away their chances. So I think as time progresses, if we consistently you know, keep creating chances like this, I think eventually you revert to the mean and score these goals. Lah. You mentioned that you you like how Ilanga played and defended from the front as well. Do, would you prefer to see him start ahead of Rashford eh, and keep Sancho? Yeah. What was your front for? What, for what do you want your front for to be? It's uh, Ronaldo, uh, Ilanga, and Sancho. I think Rashford should be on the bench. I don't think Rashford has kicked into gear, and I don't know for how long. Maybe you need to bench him again, and then sort mm. of, you know, introduce him back into the squad again because I I think he's been quite poor. I mean. Fine, he, he assisted the last game for our 1-1. But other than that, he's been pretty off it, honestly. Any updates on Greenwood? Um, no news of Greenwood. Mm, that's gone quiet so as well, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's just I, I don't think he's ever coming back anytime soon. Yeah, That's for yep. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so let's, let's talk about some positives because I think there are some positives. Jaden Sancho obviously comes to United for s- big money from Dortmund. A lot of expectations and so far, obviously, he's not lived up to it. But I think yeah. past few games, he's been playing pretty well or what do you think? What's your assessment? Yeah, he's been he's been playing pretty well. I think more than anything, he's, a, he's like a team player, I would say. His decision-making is much better than Rashford, than, um, than the other forwards, I mean. But... Even he has certain things he has to improve. Like he had a very nice chance where he could have lay off Ronaldo or Rashford, but he decided to cut in and go for the shot. So there are things he needs to improve as well. But yeah, like you said, positives. He's been scoring um, quite frequently in 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 the in the last few games. So yeah, that's that's something good. That's some positives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kaiser, so looking forward for Man United. I think you well, all three of us had United to finish fourth on the last pod when we we're talking about you know who who we likely think are go- is going to finish in the last Champions League spot. After the last few results, I mean, no one else is pulling up any <laughs> trees. That's for sure. No, but no <laughs> one, no one wants that false spot. No, yeah. but in the context of United, how do you think has it changed anything from the last pod, or do you think it's still still the case? No, I think over the long run, I think there's still many many game weeks to go. I think they can still uh, do it, uh, just because of the like I said from the last pod as well as comparison with the other teams like Spurs. Uh, dreadful uh, recently we talked about their games in hand and they lost all of them (laughs) Uh, and Arsenal West Ham Wolves I mean yeah they're they're not facing strong competition even though they're going to have blips like this uh, throughout the season I think United still have a good chance to finish fourth yeah 
short short to medium term base what's the uh, where do you see the turnaround happening and we obviously united still in the champions league you got a two leg yeah. tie against madrid atletico madrid current state i don't know i guess atletico madrid are in the best of form as well but you definitely need a result somewhere to lift lift the mood like, i think you know yeah really definitely and uh we've coming to a end of that uh run of good games like relatively easy games for mm. um ragnik so i think if united need to get kicking they need to start immediately even if it's the next game but what i see is i think we're going to play brighton at home uh, in the midweek i think we can nick it there and then going to leeds away i think that's going to be a bit tough and then we play atletico so i think the next three games are very important i think a result against atletico is extremely important to just lift spirits and you know mm. confidence is, is is a huge thing right now and it's nowhere in the united it's squad right now yep. with ronaldo whining 24/7 nothing's helping yeah. either yeah <laughs> <laughs> loads to get into i think united have hired another deputy technical director if i'm not mistaken yeah, so yeah. some other structural changes and have things happening at the club as well and i think these wow. things take time a lot of parallels to be looked at at liverpool in the 90s you know united liverpool fans look at united currently and a lot of uh, similarities definitely can be drawn from that time period whether it takes mm-hmm. them that long to get back to it i don't know uh, <laughs> but we'll see so i think we'll take a small break and then we'll talk about ralph for different ralphs southampton after the break <laughs> Southampton, who uh, I don't think we've—I don't know if I'm right in saying we've done 12 episodes of this podcast so far. I don't think we've spoke about Southampton before. I could yeah, be wrong. I, so. I could be wrong. So a first on here, uh, 12 pods in, and quite a good time to actually talk about Southampton because they have pulled out a, a run of three fantastic results. Uh, they play City, Spurs, and United in that order. One-one draw with City. Fantastic comeback win against Spurs to win three-two, and then the most recent result a one-one draw against United. Uh, Kaiser, Ralph's Ralph's boys are doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at these pictures, we didn't probably expect to review them uh, at this point, knowing that um, probably some of these results would go the way of the big boys. Uh, but it's turned out to be quite the opposite uh, as they've challenged and more than challenged uh, in some of the games and actually like the Spurs one and even the United one, they really had a good footing in the game. Uh, and I think the main thing to draw out of this is that they really have a settled and well-drilled squad. Um, in the last three games, they deployed the same formation, so 4-2-2-2 for all the games uh, with 10 of the 11 same starting players. Uh, but they have very different game plans for each game, and Ralph is willing to shift the tactics very effectively yeah. uh, mid-game when he needs to, uh, which is something um, that has really held them in good stead. So, for example, the City game, uh, which they had first, they took the lead. Actually, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the goal from uh, Kyle Walker Peters. What a finish! What a beauty! What yeah. outside of the foot, right? <laughs> from a right back as well, uh, and then but after that they held on for their lives. Uh, And they ended City's 12-game winning run uh, in the Premier League, which no one saw coming. Uh, so what they did there in that game was kept Adams and Broja up high, so City were very susceptible to counters. And for the Spurs game, I mean, what a comeback uh, that was! And I think some of the highlights was that their left back Perot, um, yeah, was peppering the box eh? crosses. <laughs> Not research. Hope that's right. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, he was dominant uh, in the first half, and then second half it was so strange that Ward. I mean, Ward Prowse does this every game, like fucking swings in amazing crosses all the time. But two of them were very similar and uh, led to headed goals that won them the game. Yeah. Uh, and I think for the United game, they came from behind as well. Uh, and then mid-game, they actually switched to a back five uh, because they were weathering the storm from United. Yeah. Um, and then again, they made tactical changes uh, in the second half. Adams dropping deep, making space for Broja, the bulldozer, um, who's, been, uh, who's been a highlight, I think, uh, this season. I don't know you guys watch Broja a lot this year. I, I was surprised when I saw that he was only 20. I mean, he looks... Yeah. He's a good player. So old and matured, yeah. Um, we'll come back to, to Broa Kaiser, but I just want to talk about the games we've spoken about so far. I think Ralph now is in his fourth year, fourth year at Southampton. I've always banged on that he's quite a good manager, but it's very hard to defend that viewpoint when he churns out 9-0 losses <laughs> every season. <laughs> yeah, you know? Every season. Um, but no, he definitely gets something right. And I think the best thing about, well, the most impressive thing about Ralph now is at a club like Southampton four years in, to constantly refresh that squad and get results and play decent football, I think is very difficult. So obviously last yeah. season, you know, Danny Ings over the last two seasons had, has been very good. Talismanic for Southampton. They lose him to Villa. Yeah. And they're doing well. You know, they bring in Broha, which is obviously a loan signing from Chelsea, as yep. you've mentioned. He's been doing really well. You bring in fullbacks like Carl Walker-Peters. Um, Tony Livermento was brought in as a, Tino Livermento rather was brought in as a backup to KWP and has kept him out of the squad until he got injured you know yep. so he, he's a very clever manager and I think Southampton as well behind the scenes their recruitment has been good um, so it's very impressive and you know it's very nice to see when that sort of good planning and good management and good sort of tactical news res- results in these sort of games you know and these sort of results rather um Vis, I just want to get your sort of view. Obviously, United play Southampton, so you've been watching that game quite closely. Any things that stood out from you? What did Southampton do well? Um, and Anything to take away from that game? I think they were just very organised throughout. Yes, they conceded chances, but they just had a feeling that, you know, if they can weather the storm for the first half, they knew that we were going to drop off. And then mm. they sort of applied pressure. Second half, you know, it was quite obvious that they were... It could have been anyone's game already after they scored that goal. And yeah, they're just a very organized team. Very um, um, hardworking, I would say. Mm. And yeah, yeah, that's that's my, my take on it. Lah. But y- one funny thing was, I realized in the first half especially, they didn't press us as much. You know? In the it was first sort half. Of, it, was, uh, it was like part of their game plan, I think. To just, you know, go into second gear only in the second half. Once we are tired, you know, it's like they sort of knew already. They had a game plan. They just followed it, and yeah, they deserve that 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 goal and they th- that one point. I would say. Okay, so Kaiser, yeah, you mentioned Amado Broha, Albanian player, signed for Chelsea in the summer and then sent out on loan to yep. Southampton. The first time I saw him was against Liverpool early in the season at Anfield. So I saw him in person. Like you said, first few things you you notice is this guy is huge. He's a big geezer. Um, yeah. But he's great. Really good, good dribbler, works very hard, aggressive on the ball. Um, very good player. Very good player. And he's been doing well for them. Yeah, he has some legs on him. Uh, as in like he's huge, but he can get, he can get about players pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, he can get about. He's super direct and effective. You know, gets the ball, goes forward and just like, Bulldoze, like I say, and he has eight goals and two assists already in all comps. 
in 15 starts, which is pretty impressive. Which is pretty like good, yeah. Southampton, yeah. Um, they're hoping he can continue that form, but they've been catching the eye uh, of Arteta, who says he's a big fan and might look to suit for him in the summer. Uh, but Tuchel as well, of course, is monitoring his progress. I think Tuchel said that you know he's been very impressed uh, with the first half of the season, but he said it's only half a season and he has to continue doing, um, doing well and keeping up this... Uh, Momentum. Tuchel already um, uh, laying the groundwork for when he spends another hundred million on a striker <laughs> instead of using <laughs> a player in his squad. So smart, very smart from him. Broha keeps Lukaku out of the squad. <laughs> imagine. Um, but the other thing which is quite interesting about the Southampton squad is they haven't been able to decide on who their bloody number one keeper is. Uh, Flip flapping between McCarthy and Forster <laughs> over the last two seasons. I don't know. I don't really like that. I think you should have a clear number one. If you don't fancy one of them, it's time to get them off. Or you don't fancy both of them, you know, just bring in a solid number one to stay there. Um, yeah. But McCarthy's been injured recently and Foster's been doing all right, I would say. Yeah, McCarthy's been... I mean, um, I think he's one of the worst keepers in the league. So I think it's been a blessing that Foster's back in goal. But you, like you said, I completely agree. Like They need a real new keeper because both look super shaky at the back and you know what that does to the team. Uh, when you have a shaky keeper, so definitely. And any any comments on Hassan Hutu? I think I'm like I said, I've been impressed with him from day one. But I don't know, is he is he someone you think will be looking at, you know, going back to Germany or looking at a, maybe a top six club? Yeah, interestingly, I mean, you mentioned Hassan Hutu and how well he's done, and I think the main reason he has such strong backing from the people at the top. Uh, the chief executive and all that because you mentioned the nine nails, right? It's very easy yeah. to put so much pressure on the manager. Not once. After, twice. Not once, <laughs> but twice. And yet they've like fully backed him, yeah. uh, which has helped Hassan Hutel to do as well as he's done. For sure. Um, and recently he mentioned, actually before the Spurs game, that they dramatically won that he might consider retiring uh, in one and a half years because um, I mean, he didn't really explicitly say the reasons, but... Uh, People mentioned that he does not really have ambition of working at a bigger club and he considers Southampton to be his home, so he's happy to sort of end his career there, which came as a shock to a lot of people, especially the way he bloody celebrated and everything. Yeah, crying after he beat Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> he probably had a yeah, look yeah, at Roy Hodgson yeah, exactly. in uh, the, the Watford bench the other day, dripping in rain, and he's like, yeah, that's that's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a good good summary about Southampton as a first time on the pod. So uh, another little break and we'll talk about Leicester. So we talk about Leicester in the next section who largely at the beginning of season of the season would have been looking at at least being in the conversation for fourth place in a Champions League spot and potentially having a go at one of the domestic cups as they've been the FA Cup holders last season and that was you know a great achievement for the club. Unfortunately they sit 11th, 14 points from fourth um, who is currently occupied by West Ham and out of both the domestic cups. They've fallen out of the Europa League and now are in the Conference League. So it's been quite a disappointing start to their season, I think. And I think, you know, it depends how far back you want to go and look at where all this started. But let's let's look at the Notts Forest, you know, loss in the FA Cup. I think that was something that a lot of Leicester fans found very difficult to take, seeing that Notts Forest is their main rival, even though they don't play in the same league anymore. So when you draw them in a cup competition, Kaiser is the equivalent of sort of 
Everton being in in the championship and being battered by them is never a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do put out a strong team as well for that game. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, probably given the uh, situation and the rivalry and yeah, to lose by that scoreline is yeah, must have been hugely disheartening. Very difficult. Very difficult. And then uh, let's talk about the the next game, which is against Liverpool. Obviously, earlier in the season, Liverpool got a king power and Leicester set up very well. Frustrate Liverpool, come away with a one nil win. I think largely they were very, very much encouraged by, by that performance. Because from what I've seen, I think they try the same thing again. So they try the same thing at Anfield. Uh, quite a passive setup. You know, most men behind the ball try to soak up the pressure. But then Liverpool get a goal. And when Liverpool get a goal, as we've spoken on before, when you set up this way and you don't really have a plan to be on the front foot, you're in trouble. So they lose that game 2-0 in the end. And then finally, we look at the West Ham game yesterday. Uh, it's just poor defending. Poor defending for Bowen's goal. You know, I mean, it's a very good finish, but... Simple ball over the top. Simple ball over the top. Yeah. You know, that centre-back that center back pairing, that back four is just a bit of a shambles and we'll come into individuals in a bit. And then finally, again, with set pieces, you know, set pieces have been a huge, huge weakness for Leicester this season. They've considered the most set piece goals in the whole league, um, which is 12 thus far. And they considered last minute equaliser to Craig Dawson again, you know. So it's not good. It's not good for Brendan Rodgers. It's not good for the club. It's not good for fans. And you can definitely understand the, the frustration. But any thoughts from you guys about why this has been coming because we spoke so positively about Leicester before the season started I think after the FA Cup they sort of just everything was downhill from there I think maybe the players within the dressing room have come to a realisation that oh no this is it lah. you know this is what we're meant to do we just we don't uh, we avoid relegation try to finish top half of the table and that's just us you know I think that's a mentality that the players are you know having right now and and yeah I don't know why I sound so sad saying this but <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's just my take on it lah, I would say yeah no I think yeah, this is very sad because he predicted Leicester to finish above Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go <laughs> can you and believe that that's how confident yeah that's how I mean yeah yeah I mean it was ridiculous then but you know the way it's even more ridiculous now yeah, the way they ended the season last season, okay, yeah, maybe quite, I mean, a crazy call to say they finished by Liverpool, but like, they strengthened with Bogba, yeah. Dhaka, like, they, we thought they hired really well. Yeah. They have a strong, solid base of a squad, and yeah, and now we're here. <laughs> Let's not be funny, none of the f- fourth place challengers at the minute, if you knew this, how bad, you know, United Spurs... Uh, West Ham were going to be and if I told you Leicester finishing below them you would have been like what like you know what I mean it's it's ve- it's yeah. crazy it's crazy so let's let's look a bit closer at that I think there's an element of you know luck here as well you can never sort of predict long term injuries to so many players they've lost players like Ricardo Pereira Wesley Fofana James Justin Harvey Barnes to all long term injuries that's things you can't account for and there's only so much you can do right and then players like Castagne find difficult to string games together. It's unfortunate. I think where they yeah. probably have to shoulder some of the blame is the reinforcements they have brought in. 
Vestergaard from the from the off, you know, Southampton fans will tell you like, yeah, if you want him, sure, you get, you know, what I mean, I don't think I don't think that was a <laughs> sure. A, yeah, they would be like, yeah, fine, yeah, no problem. Uh, and then Bertrand, yeah, I guess on a free is not too bad a signing, but you know, with his injury record, with his age, and with your only other cover being in Luke Thomas, who don't get me wrong, has been doing well, but he's still a very young player. You're asking for trouble in you know from from that point of view. Bring it back to what you said, Vis, about you know the place sort of thinking. Oh, this is the level we should be at. Top four probably a bit too far to stretch for. Mm-hmm. We're definitely not going to get relegated. I think there's definitely a big gap between their expectations. If that was the case, and Brendan yeah. Rodgers, and I think yeah. after the FA Cup tie, he makes these comments. He says, you know, our players have to look at themselves in the mirror. They and prove they are good enough to be here. Too many players yeah. think they're top players by a long way off. Some players may have achieved everything they can here. I watch training every day and for some it's everything they could dream of. They've won the FA Cup. <laughs> that might be it for them, but it's not for me. <laughs> so what you know what when you hear comments like this, what what what's the things that spring to mind? There's just bad vibes overall. I mean like you spoke about the long term injuries and these are all really good players, you know, that got injured, like key players key within players, the squad. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So with injuries and and yeah, there's, since there's this disharmony in the squad, I think it's just a recipe for disaster, if yeah. you ask me. I think the expectation at the start of the season and mm. versus what they have to go through now, and it's only just like, uh, I mean, it's not even three quarters of the season. Right? No. I think uh, another thing, uh, you put yourself very in the players' shoes, right? Like, two seasons ago, I mean, uh, the previous two seasons, you're almost going to make top four. You you are one of the teams that spend the longest time in the top four and then in the end, you don't make it. And then this season, they're nowhere there towards, you know, getting top four. I think they're sort of like, ah, yeah, you know, enough is enough. La. Let's just give up. <laughs> you know, yeah. we've won the FA Cup. I think f- top four is, is too much for us. You know, that's that's why I think. La. No, that's a very, very good uh, point. Yeah. Kaiser, go on. No, and then I think some of the bigger players that they have there or they're looking for a move like maybe Tillemans, Madison, now that they're struggling, they might think they're too big for the club, you know, and like there's a um, place that's uh, better for them and this can be seen like as a stepping stone. Yeah, so uh, why why them. dig in when you can sort of go to pastures greener, right? Yeah. I think definitely a refresh is needed, you know, and refresh can happen in two ways probably. It's either the manager or the players. I don't know about you guys, but I think Rogers' Rogers' stock was pretty high in the summer. He was linked to the United job. Vis, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Now I don't think that would be the yeah. case. Yeah. So you know, from Rogers, you're, if you're looking from his point of view, he says, you know, okay, I leave Leicester. What, what what's the next move? He doesn't go to United, Liverpool, a City, as you know, maybe a Spurs. I don't know if he doesn't work out with Conte. I guess maybe that's a possibility. You look at it from the other point of view for the club. Okay, I don't have a all-knowing knowledge of managers out there, but there are no obvious candidates who could take Leicester to the next level, who are better than Brendan Rodgers or are available or will want to come to the club. So then I think that you know you have to look and say then it's the players that need refreshing. So yeah. Kaiser, you mentioned Tielemans, you men- mentioned Madison. So Yonku's form has fallen off a cliff. That's another thing when we talk about luck. Where, how are you supposed to foresee this? When you, when Maguire went to United, I remember Leicester fans saying that they bought the wrong centre back. So Yonku is the one, and he was good. I really liked him as well. And he but was really and good. He yeah, was, yeah, he was, and he's good. awful, terrible, fallen off a cliff. So you know they need a big, big, big revamp. Leicester are, you know, they're not a city. They're not a uh, United. They're not even a Newcastle in the amounts they can spend. 
So I think it depends, dip, you know, on how much the Tillman's money comes in over the summer and how much they're going to spend. So it's very difficult. I think it's a very difficult situation. And in the short to medium term, I don't know what you guys think. What would be a successful season from this point on? They're 14 points from fourth, you know. What do you guys think? I think top four is out of the question. I would say maybe try. Yeah, fourteen sure. points off. I think yeah, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. First, no yeah, chance. first step would be to finish in the top half of the table, lah. You know. Yeah. And then try to get maybe yeah. a Europa League spot. I would say, but if I'm looking from the club's point of view, I don't think they'll let Rogers go so easily because the work he has done, you know, bringing in his recruiting structure and things like that, the players that, you know, have have really turned it around he finds all these types of gems and he's sort of given Leicester an identity again I'm talking about the last two seasons la. this season seems like a write-off already mm. so I don't think he's the club are just well, going to like yeah he's done very well so I don't think the club yeah. are just going to like sort of you know ask him to leave after if this season doesn't work out but then again yeah. you don't know football is a ruthless sport so yeah, yeah if they find a good enough replacement yeah. uh, and before Leicester stop goes down too far you know that yeah. can attract like attractive managers because now Leicester okay yeah, half yeah. A, a bad half a season That's but if it's a bad point. full season mm. uh, then people will, might think of Leicester differently again you know yeah. back to the old Leicester that um, they can't attract good managers yeah. Uh, but yeah it's quite it's, I mean one of the positives we always give Leicester is very stable well run yeah. club uh, right? so I don't think the they'll do any, side, yeah, yeah, they'll do yeah. they'll do anything knee jerk uh, but definitely something has to change. Maybe they'll give him one more chance, settling a big player in the summer, uh, and then seeing what he uses the funds, um, how he uses the funds. Or yeah, I mean, maybe Rogers has to go at the end of the season. Is this uh, Rogers like worst um, uh, form <coughs> of the team? Uh, I mean, he was at Swansea before, um, which I mean is different, lah. You know. Yeah, but um, <coughs> but I mean, yeah, in the in the in the recent sort of quite bad, lah. This one. Yeah. So it'll be interesting mm. to see. But I think that's. That's pretty much done on looking back at stuff. It's time to look forward, hopefully. And uh, I think uh, we will talk about City Spurs and then Wolves' next two fixtures who have been really impressing us. So we'll see you guys after the break. Antonio Conte will not be looking forward to the prospect of playing Pep Guardiola City given his team's current form and his recent comments. Kaiser, why don't you talk me through this game? Oh gosh, yeah. Two very different fortunes for both these clubs. Uh, City, we had a bit of hope after their blip uh, against Southampton. I think that was like right after we talked about how they're just going to walk the league. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, yes, one draw. There is oh, there's a bit hope. of hope. <laughs> yeah, and then they fucking bulldoze the next two teams again. <laughs> <laughs> so they won 14 in the last 15. Oh, I mean, God. clear title favourites. And now they're injury-free, it seems like. Uh, only Jesus is a bit of the mid to long-term injury that they have. KDB, Foden, everyone's um, basically having fun, creating chances and scoring for fun, really, without proper striker. So, who knew you uh, didn't need a striker, eh? Uh, and I think Champions League, uh, probably unlikely to face them as well with all the peop- all the teams around them uh, having uh, Champions League as well. So, yeah, City are just uh, walking it currently, sadly. So, we look from the uh, other side. Antonio Conte has made some very interesting comments. 
uh, over the past few games. Uh, I think it's safe to say that <laughs> results have not been going the way that they want to, Kaiser. So how do you think uh, Conte is going to approach this? And let's uh, let's hear some of those quotes as well because they're very good. Yeah, can we hear in Conte's uh, uh, voice? <laughs> <laughs> do his accent as well. Maybe not to that extent. <laughs> insult the one Italian that's listening to this <laughs> but, uh, yeah we talked about Spurs last time the race for fourth and we're like yeah they have a few games in hand and they seem relatively decent Good, fixtures yeah. yeah Wolves Southampton winnable and even Wolves is their rivals in that top four spot potentially <laughs> uh, yeah but they lost all those games in hand <laughs> uh, the players are extremely low on confidence and well, the main reason could be just Conte telling them that they're really shy <laughs> all the fucking time. <laughs> Every single chance that he has to tell them that they're crap, he does. <laughs> and so he says like, oh, the level at Tottenham is not so high. They don't have a winning mentality. He's not used to aiming for fourth place compared to the teams <laughs> that he's managed What did before. he think so you were like, signing up for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my god. So every every interview he's just using that chance to just uh, shit on the player. So I mean it's not a surprise that uh compounding with the losses that they're extremely low on confidence and I don't see this going any other way than cities to be fair. Yeah, I think there's a fair assessment and I think what we'll do is we'll do the score predictors as we go. So Kaiser, as you previewed it, what do you think the score is gonna be? Uh I think it'll be three nil to City. This? Comfortable. 2-0 to City. 2-0. And I think uh, I agree with Kaiser actually it'd be a 3-0. I don't see Wow. I don't see Spurs Spurs <laughs> or Antonio Conte yeah. doing much in that one. So we come to uh who Spurs lost against. And I think we did a disservice to this team because we didn't speak about them yes. when we were talking about our top four race. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's talk about Wolves. Wolves are doing, you know, beyond a madness. A, yeah, beyond <laughs> what anyone would have expected. A new manager has come in, Bruno Large or Bruno Lager, I don't know how you say it. Um has done very well. Bruno Large, I think. Bruno Large. He's gotten rid of the most uh you know, most uh, iconic oiled up man in Adama Traore, but he's getting results. He's getting results <laughs> with the very limited squad he's got. So Viz, talk to me about Wolves and let's let's look at some of the upcoming fixtures they've got. So Wolves, um, the next two are Arsenal and Leicester. Um, but right now, they're currently in seventh place above Tottenham. And they're four points away from fourth place West Ham with two games in hand. And uh, Wolves, I think this season throughout, they've had one of their best away game runs. Uh, in they've, won- they've already won four consecutive away wins. Uh, sorry, four consecutive away goals. Oh my god, what am I saying? Four consecutive <laughs> away wins for You're Wolves. You're just so, so amazed by Wolves. That's the first time. <laughs> so mesmerized. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first time in 42 years. I don't years. believe it. So out of the 12 away games, they've only lost three and just conceded eight goals. That's mad away form. And I honestly think on their day, Wolves are a team which have the quality, the organization and the, you know, sort of tactical news to... To beat any team in the Premier League, any team, you know, be yeah. it Liverpool, City, they were unlucky United, against City. Because well, that know? penalty, I don't know how it was given yeah. for the Sterling one, right? It was crazy. Um, yeah. yeah, like if you just look at the Spurs game, uh, they were hammering Spurs in the first half. You know, they they actually made Conte rethink his starting eleven, and then Conte sort of in just twenty eight minutes later, Conte had to b- bring off Sesenyon for uh, Kulusevski to act as an extra midfielder because Neves mm. was just 
stringing everything together and the second half changed a bit. Um, they weren't as dominant, uh, Wolves. But they sort of just had to defend and yeah, they got away pretty easily, I would say, and they won that game 2-0. So, and this is not, this is not like a one-off thing. Like even against United, they played so well, you know, they were just so controlled throughout, you know, they just weathered the storm got the goal when they needed it and then they just shut up shop. United weren't anywhere close to getting like an equaliser or anything of that sort. So, there were two games which they lost. Um, they lost to Norwich 1-0 and they lost to Arsenal in the FA Cup 1-0 as well. So, the way I'm looking at it here is I think now, you know, they'll be out here to sort of get revenge on Arsenal and, and yeah, they, they probably beat Arsenal. Yeah, Kaiser? Yeah, I know. It's such a huge decision to let Triore Gora, I think yeah. he was. A play, I mean, over the past few years, he's like one of the most, the biggest danger men in uh, the Premier League. Yeah. And now they still managed to adapt to that playing poor dance uh, with Jimenez, and they found like a real strong, solid base. Now, I mean, they've always had the Neves, uh, Moutinho, Dendonka combo, but yeah. now with like Aitnuri, Semedo, I think they found a really well all balance uh, yeah. squad and Jimenez is probably slowly finding his form again after his horror injury and uh, and their style of football also is so exciting to watch it's just full on attack you know just attack 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 regardless if they're playing at home or they're playing away they try to dominate possession and they just want to attack <laughs> attack like oh my god when you, when you say that it reminds me of Bielsa and Bielsa's having a torrid time <laughs> right <now. laughs> like against Spurs uh, both the goals they scored uh, they beat Spurs to the second ball you know like they were Every just time. yeah one second faster you know they were one touch there before Spurs yeah. and they just wanted to score like it was so it's nice like it's fun to watch nice them play watch them. yeah and I think they don't concede goals so I think now that they're adding goals on the other side defensively as well, you're, seeing, you're seeing the really good results yeah. um, so that'll be interesting so let's get predictions this let's get it for both the games so what do you think Wolves versus Arsenal will be and then what Wolves versus Leicester would be Oosh, I think Wolves Arsenal will be one zero. Two? And Wolves and Leicester, I think 2-1. Both to Both Wolves? Both to Wolves. Both to Wolves. Okay, yeah. I think, just because I think they, they, I mean, Arsenal, I think are a good side as well. So I'll go 0-0 zero, zero yeah, for the yeah. first one. So Wolves, Arsenal, nil-nil. And I think they'll win 2-0 against Leicester. Uh, Kaiser? Yeah, I think Arsenal, it's time for them to bounce back uh, a bit. So I think I'll actually go with uh, Arsenal win, actually. Nice. 1-0. Uh, and against Leicester, uh, yeah, Leicester, I don't see them winning this one. So I'll go for Wolves win uh, 2-1. So sad, huh? That we are predicting for <laughs> Wolves to beat Leicester. And where, yeah. well, how we talked them up in the beginning of this. My goodness, they've fallen off a cliff. Sad, So huh? interesting to see where they end up in end of the season, honestly. Yeah. And I think on that note, that covers pretty much everything we have to talk about this week. We'll see you guys soon. It's been the Bola Boys. Thanks. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you're, you, you, you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. <laughs> no one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. <laughs> <laughs>